The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Hello, everyone. This is Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to our second show of The Second Stage, the forum for entrepreneurs to discuss best practices and learn from other entrepreneurs. That's right, Brendan. And the uh, the theme to the, this uh, week's episode is get your cash flow in order, which is the first pillar in the five pillars they're going to be discussing this week and the next four weeks. Um, as a recap from last week, we'd like to talk a little bit about uh, – we talked about the importance of small businesses as it relates to employment in the United States. We talked about our backgrounds. Uh, define the meaning of the second stage companies and how we came to forming Evolution Capital Partners. Uh, as discussed on the last show, our audience would include really all second stage company owners, small business employees, because even in a small business, employees can create change, uh, and anyone servicing the small business community. So second stage companies from an indus- are, come from any industry and are generally small, smaller businesses. Uh, and last week, we tried to provide some high-level parameters, uh, but we kind of did it with caution. And, you know, those parameters were 3 to $10 million of annual revenue, uh, profits of at least a half a million dollars, 20 to 50 employees. And, in, and for the most part, these companies are still really dependent upon the business owners for their success. Ultimately, though, I think we concluded uh, that much of what gives a company the look and feel of a second-stage company is how they operate in terms of organizational decision-making, governance, financial measurement, personal accountability, strategic planning, and things like that. So those high-level parameters you know, we use as, as caution. Uh, before we go much further, though, I want to remind everyone each week that we want to provide actionable advice and have you continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at evolutioncp.com. Uh, we also want to hear what works and what doesn't. We want to create a true community of entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs. You can also email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com or call us. Uh, at our phone number at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. If you'd like to volunteer to the community, your experience and solutions, we'd really think that'd be great. Uh, and uh, importantly, if you just want to call with questions, um, you know, we can respond to those on air. 
with that, we'd like to get to our first questions from last week. Uh, in fact, we had a few responses to our action item last week. It was really just getting started. Uh, you know, what do you what do you have to do to get started? Essentially, uh, we received a series of questions. Uh, what 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 should we do? You know, I'd love to get started. We just don't know what to do. Um, you know, and how we would probably answer that question is, you know, the first suggested step is, you know, take a little time to figure out, you know, where you want to be uh, at the end of the road. You know, where do you want to spend your time? How much wealth is important to you? How important is spending time with your family? You know, what are your passions? You know, do you see a path to growth? Uh, once you figure out where you want to end up, you know, creating the plan to get there is, is much, much easier. Um, you know, since we are ourselves a second stage company, you know, let me answer that question, you know, really from our perspective. Um, so for, for, for me, uh, you know, I was a bit of, I was a, That's okay. I'm answering, you know, from my perspective, this, the answer to the second stage question that we received this week about how to get started. And uh, for me, I was an act- accidental entrepreneur and, and did not think these questions through in advance. And I wish that I had. I guess in retrospect, I can say for me, you know, making money was important to me. You know, I'm, I, some people think that that's not the right thing to say. But for me, you know, that was important. I felt like the place I had worked at prior to evolution, you know, was never going to be put me in position to make a lot of money. You know, where my future was, I wanted my future in my hands. You know, the owner uh, that I worked for at the time had an insatiable hunger for, for money, and I just was never going to see any of that capital uh, in spite of whatever, uh, you know, they, they had offered me. As far as family, you know, family work-life balance to me as, as I've grown as an entrepreneur is becoming more and more important. Uh, it's very difficult to divorce yourself, you know, from, from your business. Uh, as we've pointed out before, small businesses are really a, um, very dependent upon the founder of, of the companies. And uh, we have employees here at Evolution Capital Partners that are depending upon, uh, you know, Brendan, my partner, and I to do what's necessary, you know, to take this business to the next level. And they also have families that they've made promises to and so on and so forth. And that is a really important part of uh, what I – how I wished I would have answered those questions when I got started, you know, eight years ago. Uh, Brendan, are you on the line again and able to contribute to what would you say to those questions? You know, I, I just, I think I, I think back to uh, the questions and, and I just wish the, the number one thing is I wish I would have planned more. Um, I, uh, the things that I plan for, I tended to obtain. And um, I look back at the, at the many, many mistakes, you know, that you make while you're doing those things. And it's just the things you're focused on, the things you're tracking or the things you obtain. Um, 
I also wanted uh, financial financial security, um, and, and uh, one of my problems is I probably liked this business too much, uh, in the sense of that's you know that's what the, my big passion was, and um, and I think finding the other passions that kind of help balance the life is something I wish I would have spent probably more time on uh, earlier. Uh, I did. Uh, um, I think Jeff, you and I've talked about in the past offline that you know I recently read a, uh, a book called The Secrets of Happy Families by uh, by Bruce uh, Feeler about uh, probably about a year and a half, two years ago, and it's really been a lot of fun, kind of do, putting some of the similar things we've done in the businesses in my in my family life and really focusing on on those things. So that's uh, again, I, I think it just goes back to you know plan you know plan the things you care about because it because it does work. So that's. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and but you've told me that you've kind of actively started to employ that in in your house. I mean, how has that gone? I mean, trying to take something that you learn in the entrepreneurial world, which seems so natural, and put it into the family setting. Yeah, my my wife Marnie will probably kill me on this one, but it really her uh, you know it's the, the kids seem to really love it because it empowered them while. Uh, my, uh, you know, I think you know there are times where you you bring home the the the, the family jargon and it's uh, it you know, kind of blows up in your face. I will tell you that uh, you know I, I think I uh, you know once I coded it in uh, in kind of family words, it sure helped a lot. But I uh, I, I agree, Jeff. That is, uh, you know, um, um, it really is about kind of being sensitive to uh, to everybody's wishes and what they're. Uh, you know what's motivating them and the and the problems that are going on with their you know their their lives and what what they're working on. So um, right, I, uh, right. That's a good question. No, that that that's exactly right. You can only move as fast as uh, you know your happy home life will allow you to do uh, to do that. So. Um, you know, we want to thank those folks for questions from the last show. Uh, you know, keep them coming to our email address at the second stage at evolutioncp.com, our blog at www.evolutioncp.com, or call us at 866-472-5790. So getting to the agenda for today's episode is the first of our five pillars of business freedom. The five steps to let you starting working on your business instead of in your business. And that first pillar is great financials. Uh, Brendan, you know, I think one of the most surprising facts of working with smaller growing companies coming from an institutional background as I have is a lack of focus on financial reporting. Yeah, I I have been working with entrepreneurs for over twenty years, and um, it, it's just it, most entrepreneurs hate hate the word accountant accounting. They don't know what it really stands for. They view it as something that uh, is really it's it's a negative, something you have to do to do for the government, as opposed to something that you want to do to really kind of show you what you're doing. Um, I think we've been blessed to work with, like I said, thousands of companies, and in my guess is is that far less than five percent produce really true good financial statements that mean something uh, mean something something to them. And I got to be admit when I admit when I first started uh, in the entrepreneurial world, bought my first company, uh, you know, we, you get caught up in the daily grind. You, 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 you're on that treadmill and the financial statements that just don't seem to, or the financial reporting, understanding where you're making and losing money just doesn't seem to be that important. Uh, well, today we hope it's a little different. We hope to convince you that accounting or knowing the score of your business is the first pillar to your freedom. After all, why play the great game of business unless you're able to know the score at the end of the day, week, month, or year? It really does separate the 95% of the businesses that are just out there kind of fighting it out with each other from the, you know, the 5% that are, that are really driving forward. Well, uh, we do have the perfect guest for this, ironically. Uh, later in the show, we have Greg Crabtree, author of Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, 
Big Profits, The Four Keys to Unlock Your Business Potential. Uh, We'll pick up with Greg at the beginning of the next segment. Um, I do want to take a moment here to thank our sponsors. McGladry LLP is the leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide. Uh, They have more than 6,700 people and uh, in 75 U.S. cities. Uh, We use them at Evolution Capital Partners, uh, and we have found them to be outstanding partners and very responsive to our needs. So with that, we're going to sign off uh, this segment of the show, and when we come back, we'll introduce you to Greg Crabtree. Thank you very much. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait, they just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. Uh, In the first segment, we really talked about the first pillar of five pillars that we want to talk about with respect to working on your business instead of working in your business, and that first pillar is great financials. And I'm going to pass it on to uh, Brendan Anderson, my partner, to introduce our guest on the show today. 
Hi, we're, we're excited to have as our first guest Greg Crabtree, who's author of Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits, The Four Keys to Unlock Your Business Potential. You can find out more about Greg at his website, uh, seeingbeyondthenumbers.com. Today, we'll quickly touch on the four keys to unlocking your business. I do encourage any business owner to buy the book. Greg does a great job explaining, um, explaining numbers easily to the entrepreneurs. I met Greg this summer. Uh, Greg presented to uh, the 2014 class of e- uh, the Entrepreneur's Organization's Entrepreneurial Master's Program at MIT. I'm in that class, and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty neat group of 66 entrepreneurs from around the world that come together to really learn from thought leaders like Greg and discuss best practices. Uh, the most striking thing about Greg's presentation as I sat through in the class was looking around and watching how my peers um, actually kind of uh, reacted to his discussion. And um, I was stunned at how few of them, you know, kind of after the after the class and sitting around talking, how few of them actually uh, fully comprehended what what detailed financial statements could do for for us. And, and quite frankly, just the, they were, none of them were actually doing that. So, um, so I'd like to introduce you to Greg Crabtree, who's uh, actually calling us from Las Vegas, where he's out presenting to other business owners. And uh, so, Greg, uh, thank you very much for coming and, and for dialing into the program. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, I think what you'll find is that he's he's just got he's got a great way to kind of look at the numbers. Hey, before we get into the four keys, why is it do you think that small business owners don't don't produce good financial statements or great or rely on their financial statements? Well, I, I think the accountants have made it too hard. Um, I mean, you know, we we believe that there's a simple game plan that you can run with your numbers. And kind of uh, my frustration of trying to teach people and help them understand it, you know, and as you have this passion to help people get profitable, you know, you try, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, the book The Goal that uh, Eli Goldratt wrote about, you know, solving the bottlenecks. And so to me, this was a massive bottleneck. And the more we kept pounding on it, the more we realized that we really needed to come up with a simplified game plan that helped every entrepreneur see their financial and their business model in in a clear way that was common for all businesses. So one of the unique things that we do is we actually use one single P&L format for all businesses regardless of industry. And it creates a tremendous environment, especially in groups like the Entrepreneurs' Organization, for people with dissimilar businesses to compare information, much less people that have similar businesses to compare uh, and, and make, adapt, uh, make adaptations to what they're doing. So that, that was a huge key. I got to tell you, when I was sitting in class listening to Greg talk about costs and so forth, I literally had a, a flashback of one of the businesses that we bought a long, long time ago that uh, we still own, and it's just we had kind of let some of these basic principles slip. And going back and putting those, you know, some of Greg's thoughts in, where it just literally uh, in a very short period of time been wonderful. Hey, Greg, in, in your book, you state that the first key to unlocking uh, potential is really kind of clearing away the confusion around owners' salaries and distributions. Can, can you explain this a little more? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, for for a long time, I mean, there's a lot of things that people do to save taxes, and you know, and I, I believe me, I don't want anybody to pay a dime more than they're supposed to pay, but I I came to the belief that people were distorting a much more valuable thing, being good financial data, by playing games with what they pay themselves. Sometimes they pay themselves too much, sometimes they pay themselves too little, or nothing at all, and. You know, for S corporations, there's a lot of issues around that. But even with LLCs, you know, people that are taking you know, owner distributions that are really compensation. And, and the more I studied it, I had to when when I would get a group of people together to compare financial data, I realized that that was the first thing that I had to fix 
was I had to clear the distortion of what a true market-based wage for that person. And so we, we have this mantra that just you'll hear us repeat it you know, a million times. You get paid a salary for what you do, get a return on what you own. Don't confuse the two. Because if you look at the org chart of every business, there's no spot on the org chart that says owner. There are jobs to be done. And if the owner doesn't show up for work, somebody has to do it and somebody has to be paid to do it. Why doesn't the owner take that pay? And what we found was is once we convince people to do it and forget about the tax impl- the payroll tax implications of it, all of a sudden they not only made the market-based wage, but they made more profit on top of it. And it was just a, just a phenomenal occurrence. So far we're batting 1,000. Everybody we've convinced to do it. <laughs> you know, they, they've not only gotten paid a full salary, but they've also made more profit. Because there's That's... no more stories about why that net income number is not real. That's, that's wonderful. What, uh, how, do, how do you find out what your market-based wage should be? Well, that actually is actually pretty easy because there are tons of salary survey uh, information out there, Glassdoor.com, Salary.com. Those are the free sites. We actually subscribe to a very expensive uh, uh, national survey called the Economic Research Institute Salary Assessor and their Executive Comp Program. So we invest in that resource and make it available to our clients you know, to do salary research because we believe everybody should be paid a, a market-based wage. And our belief around that is if I pay people a market-based wage, I can expect and demand market-based performance. And you marry up the two together. I can tell you, Greg, if, if I think about the, some of the biggest frustrations I'm sure that small business owners have with with professional equity um, or, or some of the some of the tough conversations we have to have with business owners, often it centers around salary and how much should be added back and how much shouldn't be added back and, and what's what's business expense and non. And it's it really does cloud the picture. So uh, from our perspective, it sure seems like that makes a ton of sense. Well, what's interesting is everybody always says, oh, well, you know, they, they admit to taking a few little benefits, you know, out of the business. And I said, I laugh at him. I said, listen, if you were hiring a CEO that didn't own any stock, I guarantee you he would want those same benefits and probably some more on top of it. So quit, quit thinking that you're special because, you know, <laughs> all of us can be replaced and some of us can actually be improved upon. So, you know, just get over it. No, I, 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 I mean, the subject is obviously very real for small businesses, and, I, and I'd love to talk about it for a long, long time, but uh, Jeff keeps telling me i got to move on. Um, <laughs> Next my AD, AD, ADD self coming through. Hey, um, the, the, the second thing um, that, that you talked about in the book, and, and, and I just – I love this subject, especially from an evolution perspective and as we look at these businesses, mm-hmm. is really why making 10% pre-tax profit is the new break-even. Right. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Well, the first thing you have to understand with that is the fact that there, there actually is a second distortion, as I've started talking about it. Since, since I wrote the book, I mean, we do talk about it a little bit in there. We show an example of comparing a $20 million construction company on page 22 in the book compared to a $3.7 million services business. And our contention is that those two businesses are exactly the same because here's the reality. Not all revenue is equal. And there's a lot of business models, especially in today's economy, that are have pass-throughs that people are counting as revenue. And reality is they're just swapping dollars with somebody. And in a construction business, I would contend that you know materials and subcontractor payments are really pass-throughs because I don't have any economic risk in materials, and I don't pay my subs typically until I get paid. So are they real cost? You know, in reality, it's what we call gross profit is really the true top line. And so 
when you set your profit target, now here's kind of where our economic research, we've got hundreds of businesses that we've decided to spend time to actually go back and look at. And what helps us is the fact that since we put all of them through the same financial statement format, we can actually aggregate data within industry segments as well as across all businesses. And we came to this conclusion that what was interesting is we, all, we had almost no clients between 0 and 5% profitability. It's almost like once you drop below 5% profitability, you were heading below zero pretty quick, and you were in drastic measures. 10% seemed to be the sustainable number that kept people stable, profitable, and, and consistent and able to ride the waves. But we also noticed that at 15%, those were the, the best of the best. Now, there's a few outliers that are above 15%, and we always say take it while you can get it. But there's some actual economic reasons as to why 15% is kind of that top-shelf number. And whenever somebody figures out that you're making above 15 competition will come you know, and push you back typically to 15 But we think the best businesses in each industry segment can run 10 to 15% profitability. And Craig's got some wonderful examples in his, his book about the, the the path to cash flow positive with those various margins. Right. But uh, right. so I suggest you read about that. Hey, one of the things that I, I had to notice right out of the gate was that you know, that you use the term pre-tax income as opposed to EBITDA, like the financial yeah. community. And I was curious why you differentiate between those two. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll give you a good example. And we had a client who was a, a limousine company, so between buses and vans and all those. So typically EBITDA, you'd be adding back depreciation. Well, that's ridiculous when you got five million dollars of rolling stock. I mean, because you know that you know those that equipment's going to wear out. The reality is, for everybody, equipment wears out. So why would you not consider a true economic cost something that you will have to eventually replace? The thing that people mess up on is the accountants are being lazy by putting tax depreciation into your books and not giving you the true economic number of book depreciation. And so our advocacy is is running kind of a simplified accrual method, which we call the management basis of accounting, which will be a topic I'm going to write on here eventually. And, and you know, it's not to be so, you know, uh, so ADD about it that you're accruing everything, but you're making a simple matching of revenues and expenses in the same time period when practical, and you're doing things like booking book depreciation, which represents the true economic decline of the asset and when you expect to have it replaced, not what writing off Section 179 depreciation and expensing it all in the first year when you know that asset's going to last five years. And that, those are just those are lazy things that accountants do, all under the belief that the client won't pay for it. And what we find is, well, they didn't explain it in the right way to tell people why they needed it. And, and our clients readily accept us to, you know, help them see their data in a clear and meaningful way. That's it's wonderful. I, uh, I, as I'm getting the two-minute signal, I, uh, I have to chuckle because I have about five more questions I want to ask you about this section. You know, one being the, you know, that, that, that once you get above a million dollars, you should be profitable. And then I, I love the concept about about your black hole. And I, I have to imagine every person that owns a business one to five million in revenue can identify with that. Yeah. But uh, since since the timing, love to love to talk to you about why. Get it twenty employees. You know what the, you know. We call kind of these no man's land businesses. Or yeah. well, why, why is twenty? Why is twenty a critical number for a growing business? Well, you know, twenty employees gets you roughly somewhere between a million and a half to, to two million dollars of revenue in most businesses. And unfortunately, that there's actually a psychological reason, you know, for that. In that most uh, sociologists will tell you that once you get beyond twenty employees, you've got to layer in levels of management because you can't have as flat of an organization as we all think we can. 
And we've seen that. I mean, we're, we're the 24 employees now, and we've had to add layers of management. Well, we've done it practically and carefully. And the idea is every time we add management labor, we then set a new target of productivity that we have to get to support that management labor. And as we model out that labor efficiency concept that we'll talk about in the next segment, you know, that's a real key of predictability of setting the right target of productivity because of added labor. Thank you. Well, uh, Greg, this is great information, and you've really simplified it, and people that have a true understanding of information can make it simple. So uh, I want to let everybody know here that we are talking to uh, Greg Crabtree, author of Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits, The Four Keys to Unlock Your Business Potential. And we're going to take a break here, and then when we come back, we're going to get to the next two uh, topics of, of Greg's book, and we're looking forward to that. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with a passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Time Management. We all talk about it, we constantly work on it, and we all wonder what more we could be doing. Take Charge of Your Productivity identifies the 10 key elements that are part of the focus for high performers. It then integrates energy management into the time management equation. Tune in for insightful interviews, key strategies, and tips to help you create the balance you crave and deserve. Join Penny Zenker as she presents Take Charge of Your Productivity on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. 
Okay, we're trying to cover a lot of ground on this show today, which is really about great financials, the first of five pillars to business freedom. And on the phone, we've got the author, Greg Crabtree, author of Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits, The Four Keys to Unlock Your Business Potential. And we'd certainly want to hear about those next two segments to your book because this is uh, you, you really simplify these, these ideas, and I think they're very actionable for our listeners. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, Greg. I just want, I did want to point out I had I had mis I had misrepresented your uh, your website at seeingbeyondnumbers.com. And uh, again, wish or encourage anybody to take a look. Uh, we we've uh, talked you know briefly about owner salaries and about why 10% uh, pre tax is the new break even. Um, the the third key is is I've got labor productivity. At least to me, Greg, this is the hardest one to get my 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 mind around. Can you explain labor productivity and why it's important? Yeah, so, you know, so the first step you know, we talked about was clearing distortions. So once you do that, now I can believe the numbers I'm looking at, then I can set my right target, and typically that target's going to, your performance is going to be below that target. Well, how do you hit the target? We believe the number one thing that changes profitability is labor productivity. There's no business that doesn't rely on, on productive labor. Sometimes it's direct labor, sometimes it's management labor, but we have a technique that we developed that actually measures both. Now, when I was writing the book, we had just a single version of it that we looked at gross profit uh, per labor dollar uh, is the way that we looked at it when I was writing the book. We've since expanded on that concept, and so if you go to the Thing Beyond Numbers website, there are actually some white papers and some other examples of the, the current expanded version of that. And so essentially what we look at is labor it should be measured not by productivity by body, as people have talked about, FTEs, full-time equivalents, and all that. It is about spending a dollar, and what does that dollar of labor get me? And we like to keep it simple. We don't want a loaded dollar. We don't want it loaded with payroll taxes and benefits. Those, those are statutory things that you got to pay. We want it simple so that I know when I pay somebody $20 an hour, how much productivity did I get for that? And so we look at gross profit per labor dollar for the direct labor people. Uh, and so that becomes a way that we can look at, we can set patterns of performance for the company. And then if you have a robust set of financial data, if you're in the services business like we are, I can actually measure labor productivity by every one of my billable resources. So accountants, marketing firms, lawyers, uh, architects, engineers, all of those services businesses that can track revenue generated by person, they can actually now get labor productivity by person. When you talk about a game changer, this allows you to differentiate between what people get paid based on what they produce. And it, it's a phenomenal thing, if, especially if you have an open book culture. The, I, I- Greg, I got to laugh. I'm sorry to cut you off. I, you know, when when I when I hear you talk and I hear about about efficiencies, I mean, I, you know, there's so many ways we've tried to track that, and I, and I, and, and yours is is so is so wonderfully. I use the word simple. Probably easier said than done. I, I um, when I when I when I was reading through your book again, I I had to smile at it's your term cost creep and yep. and what an and how an entrepreneur works through cost creep. Could you explain that to me and, and yeah, what that well, means to entrepreneurs? Because people feel like, oh, well, I've got a person who needs to get a raise. Well, great. In our model, because productivity is based on a dollar paid, I, you know, I'm happy when my, my staff comes to me and wants a raise because it just sets a new productivity target for them to have to deliver on. And, and so once you have a culture like that, you no longer fear raises. 
Now, you may have ultimately a day where that person realizes that they cannot produce any more and they may want more pay, and that's when you got to deal with the issue just like the professional sports teams deal with. You know, there's a point that that person can't produce any more. And when a person lacks passion, lacks ability, they, they quit, you know, developing their skill sets. I mean, we believe in constant learning and development, you know, for our people. Um, you know, and so as long as they can keep producing at that same rate, you know, their, their pay theoretically can go up as much as they want. You know, so, you know, so that's really a key in, in looking at it. But the other key is we strike fear in the hearts of management teams because, if you look on page 22 of the book, there's a term that we call contribution margin, which is gross profit minus direct labor. And we hold management labor as a bucket accountable to contribution margin. And the reason for that is direct labor is only accountable for gross profit because that's the work that's put in front of them to do. But management has to juggle three crystal balls. They've got to drive revenue, they've got to manage direct cost, and they've got to manage direct labor. And so it, as you add people to your management labor bucket, you've got to, there's a way that we do, we work the backwards math and basically tell somebody, hey, if you add $200,000 of a this business developer to drive sales, guess what? You've got to add $1.1 million in top-line revenue, all other things being equal, to justify that person's addition to the team to keep all of that productivity rateable. And so those are the techniques, the little models that we build to help clients understand, you know, how to, to basically set the appropriate targets. Because keep in mind, a man who aims at nothing hits it with amazing accuracy. And so that's why you need targets that are clear and, and to the point and, and just are, you know, it, it, they're just undeniable right in front of you. I tell you, I like the idea of comparing my business to the NFL. But yeah. that's, uh, and there's some good good stories in there. Yeah, really. hey, Greg, um, the in your book, the um, uh, moving on to the to the fourth um, the, the key to uh, to to unlock, unlocking your business potential is really understanding the cash flow. Right. You know, like like many entrepreneurs, um, you know, isn't it true that if uh, you know that that if I'm growing, making lots of profit, hiring lots of people, and doing all great stuff, doesn't that mean that I have lots and lots of cash on hand? Uh, not necessarily, because actually most growing businesses are actually cash chewers. And so you've got to really have an understanding of the sequence of the way the cash flow works. So once we get you profitable, because we don't have the cash flow discussion until we get you profitable, we always drive you back to profitability first. Then, as we're looking at cash flow, there's four keys and they have to occur in this order. And if you violate it, you do it at your own peril. First thing you do is you set aside the tax consequences of it. Don't wait until April 15th and wait for your accountant to tell you what you owed for the previous year because that is what creates the most amount of aggravating confusion for the average entrepreneur. You should be measuring your tax consequences on a quarterly basis. Set aside the money. Don't give it to the IRS until the last possible moment, but set it aside and get it out of your grubby little hand so that you don't do something stupid with it. Then, once you've got that, you now know what cash that you have available for the business. So our next step is to get out of debt, and which means get out of line of credit debt. Uh, term debt, I'm okay with as long as it's basically backing a, you know, a, a fixed piece of equipment that's going to have a, the debt does not exceed the useful life of the equipment. And then once you get out of debt, then you keep profits in the business until you hit what we define as a core capital target. And this has been the most mind-blowing thing that I think most entrepreneurs, they now have a simple calculation of a core capital target, which is this. We want you to have two months of operating expenses in cash with nothing drawn on a line of credit. That is our definition of a fully capitalized business. 
So if you can't do that from internal profits, then you've got to go out into the capital markets and raise capital and get a capital injection. But if you are to the point that you want to self-capitalize and grow profitably on your own money, that's, that's when you know you've accomplished it. And then once you have money above the core capital target, that's free and clear money that you can take as a distribution or you can make more aggressive capital investments back into the business to grow it faster and farther. And really what we promote is an idea of optimizing what your business performance is. Take what the market will give you. Don't try to take something that isn't there. It's it's um it, it, I, have, I have another question for you, Greg. If if I have a ch- if I uh, if I'm sitting there at the end of the year and I have a chance to uh, go out and borrow a hundred thousand um, dollars to buy a new machine, and the way I think the way I understand the tax laws is that pretty much reduces my taxes by a hundred thousand dollars. Is it a no brainer to go out and uh, reduces my income by a hundred thousand? Is it a no brainer to go out there and uh, and and buy the new machine? <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, you know what we you know I'm just a pattern recognizer. I've had the fortune of looking watching some of the best entrepreneurs in the world and a few of the worst and have learned from both of them. And the best entrepreneurs spend a dollar at the last possible moment uh, that they can, which means that if you've gone 50 weeks out of a year and didn't buy that piece of equipment, why in the last 2 weeks of December you think all of a sudden you got to spend money? Because it, you don't need it, you possibly could get by without it or may not even need it for another five or six months, and you may find it cheaper later. You know, and so all of those things play into it. But secondly is the bigger issue of you're spending a dollar to save 40 cents in tax, and that is not the way to build wealth. You have to write a big stinking check to the IRS to build wealth. I got news for you. There's very few legitimate tax deductions, and most of the things that my profession unfortunately touts as tax savings is nothing more than a tax deferral, pushing things off into the future. You've got to pay up somehow, some way, someday. And, and so you've got to learn. I, I mean, I tell my clients, I said the number one key to wealth creation is how big of a check you wrote to the IRS. If you didn't write a big check, there's only two possibilities. You didn't make any money or you cheated, and both are bad. <laughs> I, I I agree. I agree, and it's amazing how often you sit around with entrepreneurs, and and uh, that that discussion goes uh, goes round and round. Yeah. Um, I, I there's a, I've written down about five more questions I want to ask you, but uh, um, you know I think I think you maybe just touch for you know maybe uh, 30, 40 seconds really on you know not only is a plan to bring your 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 business into a financial stable spot, but maybe talk briefly about you know what it means personally to do that also. I mean, from a business owner's perspective. Well, I mean, I, you know, our belief is is we have a simple philosophy. You know, typically your business is the only cow you got to milk, and so I got to get your business healthy, and then we want you to get the business healthy, pause it, get the person healthy, and then you come back to the business and say, okay, now that I'm personally healthy, now that my business is healthy, what can I, you know, what can I take these profits? and not use them for consumption. Because our belief is, is if you're getting paid a market-based wage, we want you to live off of that wage. And then when the business has profits, you're getting to make wealth-building decisions off of those profits. And, and believe me, here's the deal, is you know a business that makes 10% profit a year that's fully capitalized is a 50% or better return on investment year in and year out. Where are you going to get that in the market? 
It's and it's and it's hard to even imagine that as a business owner, but it's 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 wonderful math, and I encourage you to read the book. Oh, yeah. Again, um, everyone uh, with a small or mid-sized business, you should read Greg's book: Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits, and Four Keys to Unlock Your Business Potential. You can learn a lot more at cbeyondnumbers.com. Uh, we were able to get through the first four chapters, but the book also contains wonderful information on taming the tax mon- monster, how to maximize your labor productivity. What well, we got into a little bit today, the three sources of capital um, how to, and uh, reporting rhythms, economic value, and uh, what he, the last one, which is skip the budget, uh, learn the forecast, which was something uh, that was kind of new to me. So uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful book, and all entrepreneurs should, uh, should get out there and read it. Okay. Well, I certainly appreciate it. So. All right. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate your time this thank afternoon. Uh, with that, we are going to move into the final segment after a word from uh, our sponsors. And uh, we have a surprise guest here in the fourth segment. So uh, uh, hold on tight. and We'll be back here in a few minutes. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in every week for the Ellis Martin Report. Our program will bring you the news and information that you need each week. We look at publicly traded small and mid-cap companies from a variety of sectors. We'll talk to key people in the industry to bring you the foreground and background of new and -and up-and-comers for potential investment. Please remember, invest only at your own risk. The Ellis Martin Report is meant for information purposes only. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business, Creating a Spiritual Economy with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network.
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Hey, everybody. We're back here at the second stage, and uh, we're talking about the five pillars of financial freedom, the first pillar of which is uh, good financials. And um, it occurred to me this morning, I woke out of bed, that we've got an expert here at Evolution Capital Partners, and uh, in true entrepreneurial spirit, our CFO, Marlene Tihai, uh, agreed to dial in so we could hear what uh, – she, what advice she could offer small business owners with regard to their business. So, Marlene, you on the line? I am here, Jeff. Thanks for having me, and thanks for giving me six whole hours to do this. <laughs> I said entrepreneurial spirit, so uh, <laughs> she's she's been with us for about six years now, so she is well on her way to being an entrepreneurial expert, but she is already a financial expert, and that's why we want to include her on the show. So, Without further ado, Marlene, I want to get into very quickly, you know, as somebody that does all the front-end diligence uh, and in financial investigation for Evolution Capital Partners, you know, what do you see uh, wrong with a lot of these small businesses? Well, I, I think I really see four areas where things tend to be hiding problems. The first thing is that a lot of entrepreneurs live by the balance in their checkbook. When they walk out the door on Friday night, the last thing they check is how much is in the bank. And when they come back in on Monday, then, then they know what they're going to do with that money that was in the bank last, last week. And that's okay until you realize that you're ready to start growing or you need to go out and try to raise funds. Then you need to get a lot more clarity around what's in your financial statements. I think the second thing that we see a lot is that people aren't keeping up with the work. Um, I'm a big believer that you touch every piece of paper once and you do whatever process needs to be done on it then and you don't have to touch it again. I've seen lots and lots of businesses where the papers stack up on the desk and nothing gets done until the end of the month when the bank statement comes and then everything's a big surprise at the end of the month. Um, I also see entrepreneurs being very, very loyal to the employees that are loyal to them. And that's great, too. But if you're an entrepreneur who's at the point where they want to start growing their business, it's really easy to outgrow the people that you have doing your accounting. And lots of times... They're afraid to tell you that it just got away from them. They don't even know that it got away from them. And when you're ready to make the push to the next level, but your accounting people aren't, it can just be very disastrous. And then I think finally, surprisingly, a big thing that I see is people just don't close their books at the end of the month. 
And I can't tell you how many times I've looked at July financial statements in August and then looked at July financial statements again in October, and they've changed because people don't lock down their books at the end of the month. I think if people would do that and print out the piece of paper that shows them how much they brought in and how much they put out, they'd go a long way to understanding how those numbers translate into how the business is doing. You know, Marlene, I love this advice because it's so foundational and so basic that really anybody can get started uh, at this point. So, you know, how how do you get started with getting a handle on your numbers? Um, I think, you know, every person and every business has a checkbook. So start getting intimately involved with your checkbook. Look back at at what cash has come in during the last 12 months and what cash has gone out during the last 12 months, and you're going to have a really good feel of what those numbers mean. And it doesn't, you don't have to wait until January to do this. If you want to start right now, go back to last September 1st and go through this August 31st, and you probably have a pretty good uh, picture. And, and don't be intimidated by it. Do it on a spreadsheet. You probably have an accountant who does your taxes. They could probably give you a lot of help with this. So ask for their help and have them help you put a structure around, how do I look at these numbers? Where does everything go? What's salaries? What's utilities? What's rent? Um, at, this pl- at that point, then, you can start to know where you're spending your dollars, and you can start to question whether you're spending them in the right place. Um, if you don't get there, you're never going to be able to predict what you need to do in the future to, in order to be able to, to grow. And as Greg mentioned earlier, I don't, you don't have to worry about inventory costing. You don't have to know what activity-based costing is. If you've known what cash you've spent out in the last 12 months and what cash you've taken in, you probably have a fit, pretty good feel for the rhythm of the business. Um, I would also caution that now is not the time, you know, you're ready to grow. Now is not the time to assume that you need to get off of QuickBooks or you need to get off of Peachtree and do some big general ledger conversion. You don't. Off-the-shelf software packages have come a long way in the last 10 or 15 years, and, and spending a little bit of money to have someone come in and help you make sure you're using it as effectively and efficiently as possible will go a long way to someone looking from the outside into your business having more confidence in your numbers. I also think it's really important that you know, you take baby steps to start with so that it's not overwhelming, so that it's not something that you come in and go, I'm supposed to do this and I don't want to. I'll go do what's more fun for me. Um, start out small with a little bit of help, and I think you'll be surprised at how much you can start to glean about your business from those numbers. 
Marlene, those are great answers. And I tell you, um, I'm glad that we put our financial future in your hands. Because, uh, as you know, uh, that we need your help greatly as small businesses need great numbers. And as a second stage company, you know, Brennan and I realized that about six years ago when uh, we were very fortunate to, to have you on board. And I'm sure we're going to have you on uh, future shows uh, as we continue to uh, educate our listeners. Uh, next week's show uh, is about the, the second pillar, which is building your plan in the five pillars of financial freedom. And I want to turn it quickly to Brendan and, and say, what is our actionable advice for, for this week? Looks like we're having more technical difficulties. We can't hear Brendan, but uh, essentially it is, you know, again, start thinking about where you want to be. Think about where you want to be before you get started, and uh, you'll know where you uh, will end up. And uh, again, think about where you want your business to be and have passion for possibilities. Uh, so again, this is a forum. Uh, we want everybody to dial in and continue with the discussion on our blog at evolutioncp.com or our email at the second stage evolutioncp.com. Uh, appreciate everybody listening this week, and have a great week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.